It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome on into Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast focused on all things BYU sports. Thanks again for joining us on this Thursday edition of the show. Hopefully you guys are all having a great day. Big basketball game tonight as BYU heads down to San Diego. We'll talk about that here in a moment. But first, we're going to kick things off and talk about a reported hire that BYU has made on the offensive line front for their football program. Eric Mateos reportedly set to become the next offensive line coach for BYU. We'll talk about his background, where he comes from, etc. In the first segment of today's podcast, like I said, we'll talk about BYU San Diego in the second segment, and then we'll wrap things up with our final thoughts. The other news and notes when it comes to BYU sports, as we always do in the final segment of today's show. Once again, thanks again for joining me on a Thursday edition of the show. Let's get going. This is Locked on Cougars for February 14th, 2019. Happy Valentine's Day, everyone. A report from Football Scoop yesterday citing a source saying that BYU is set to hire former Texas State offensive line coach Eric Mateos as the BYU offensive line coach to replace the departed Ryan Pugh. Uh, I saw the report yesterday. I tweeted it out on my t- personal Twitter feed at Jacob C. Hatch. You also probably saw it on the Locked on Cougars Twitter feed at Locked on Cougars. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Cougars. You also can do the same under the same name for Instagram and Facebook. So a lot to get to. Thanks again. I'm Jay Hatch, your BYU insider here on the podcast, talking a lot of BYU sports as we do each and every day. And I think a lot of people had the question of, well, who is Eric Mateos? Well, I can tell you that he's a two-year uh, coach, coaching Texas State, the Bobcats. Uh, he was the offensive line coach there. Previously served as an LSU grad assistant in 2016 under a guy you may know as BYU's offensive coordinator, Jeff Grimes. Also served as a tight ends coach for a time, kind of an, on an interim basis. So... This guy is familiar with Jeff Grimes, what Jeff Grimes is all about. That kind of helped, I think, sway BYU's brass and the coaching staff towards looking at Mateos. Mateos has been mentioned from early on when Ryan Pugh was named as the offensive coordinator at Troy as being a potential replacement for him. He kind of has the same type of a meteoric rise in the coaching ranks that Ryan Pugh did, but Ryan Pugh uh, came over from UT San Antonio where he was the offensive line coach for the Roadrunners for two years. Mateos also has that uh, two years of experience as an offensive line coach, but I have to say, in terms of production at their previous stops, Ryan Pugh's uh, UTSA team was a better team. Not saying they were world beaters by any means, but he was on a better staff overall. Texas State under Everett Withers, who uh, Mateos coached under, was... Uh, hot garbage, I guess is the easiest way to say it. Jake Spavital, the former West Virginia offensive coordinator, took over the job there at Texas State this past offseason, did not retain Mateos on his staff, hired a guy away from Texas Tech's staff to be the offensive line coach there. But Mateos uh, comes to BYU, and he's got two years of experience previously working with Jeff Grimes. He's also worked at Arkansas. 
He spent, uh, I believe, two or three seasons, two seasons it appears, no, three seasons, sorry, three seasons as Arkansas as a graduate assistant, and I actually really like the guy he worked for at at Arkansas. He's a guy that uh, I've watched coach, and I played offensive line in high school, and trust me, I have no expertise in this field, but I do enjoy watching offensive line play simply due to the fact that I was a big boy who played in the trenches, and it's just something I enjoy doing, but... But uh, the good news is he coached under a guy uh, by the name of Greg, uh, Greg, Sam Pittman in Arkansas. Uh, Sam Pittman is now the offensive offensive line coach at Georgia. And Pittman, uh, his offensive lines have just are straight nasty. Plain and simple. They play with anger. Um, they just play very, very well together. They're, they're a cohesive unit. And if me saying this, uh, you're probably thinking, well, that's what Jeff Grimes did his entire career, becoming one of the best offensive line coaches in the country. And the, yeah, I'm not saying that uh, this guy is any different. I'm just saying Sam Pittman is one of the elite offensive line coaches in this country, similar to Jeff Grimes. So at the bare minimum, if Mateos has had anything rub off on him during his time working with Coach Pittman and also Jeff Grimes for the year he worked with him at LSU, this guy should at least understand what these offensive linemen at BYU are going to need. He has four returning starters to work with. One, a freshman All-American in the center, James Empey. Uh, I thought Brady Christensen was a viable candidate for a freshman All-American citation as well. He's got lots of talent to work with. I think we saw that offensive line for BYU at four of the spots very solid all year long. The left guard was one that was a revolving cast of characters, was kind of the weak link. So if Eric Mateos can come in and find an answer at that offensive line, left guard's spot and Kiefer Longson I thought played very well when he moved to that spot late in the season he may have something to work with and continue to build Uh, Jeff Grimes of course will continue to remain very involved with the offensive line at BYU as he has in his previous two years or previous year I guess what I should say previous year working with BYU's offense and I know a lot of people, there are probably some qualms, oh, what is this guy LDS? No, he's not a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and that actually kind of t- that tips the balance. If you look at BYU's coaching staff, there are now a majority of non-member uh, coaches on the staff. And I think some BYU fans, and I'm not one of them, it might give them some qualms saying, well, if you have a majority of non-LDS guys, not guys who aren't members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, aren't we inviting trouble? No. And let's be clear, very clear right now, that is just a wrong way of thinking. And you can fire back at me if you want, but if that's your worldview that BYU's coaching staff needs to be majority LDS or majority of the church members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, okay, I don't, I, I'm not the guy for you, and I, I apologize, but that... That should not be the thinking. I completely get them wanting a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints to be the head coach, and I think after that, it should be whatever the best qualified guy is for the job, plain and simple. If No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Plain and simple, just hire the right guy. So Eric Mateos looks like he's going to be the new offensive line coach. Not official yet, so it's just a report, but football scoop, they're 
right 95% of the time, and I would expect that they're going to get this one right. So uh, BYU, it looks like they have their offensive line coach. They're setting themselves up for 2019, a guy who's familiar with Jeff Grimes. And, oh, yeah, I forgot to mention this. I need to mention this before we take a break, is that Eric Mateos is the guy, and if you might have seen this report, if you didn't, I'll recap it for you real quick. There was a report that Zion Williamson, who's the presumptive number one overall pick in the NBA draft this coming summer, Summer. He's currently playing for the Duke Blue Devils. You've probably seen him on ESPN throwing down monster dunks, getting crazy block shots, just a freak athlete. Well, there was a report a while back that a coach from LSU actually offered Zion Williamson a scholarship. Well, that coach, none other than Eric Mateos. So we can identify talent. I think he was quoted in the story on um, giving the offer. He said, I just saw what he could do on the basketball court and figured that could work at tight end. So I gave him the offer, plain and simple. So there you go. Some of the thoughts on Eric Mateos. All right, so there you go. Some of the thoughts on Eric Mateos. We'll come back on the other side. I'm going to have a good friend of mine who's been on the podcast multiple times join me. We're going to preview BYU at San Diego in basketball. This is a sneaky good showdown, and I'm excited to watch it tonight. We'll break that down next right here on Locked on Cougars. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30. Get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. You are Locked on Cougars. This is your daily podcast focused on all things BYU sports. A reminder for you guys, modern technology makes things really simple for you. We've talked a lot in the past about smart speakers. Well, we're talking about smartphones here for a minute. If you're commuting like I do to work, you probably listen to music, the radio. I'm a podcast guy. That's what I usually listen to on my way to and from work. It's kind of how I catch up on things. But you can use it to listen to this podcast. It makes it real simple on yourself. All you have to do is tell your personal assistant, whether it's a Siri, whatever you got on your iPhone, etc., Play podcast Locked on Cougars, and there you go. You have everything you need to know when it comes to BYU sports because you've got a daily podcast focused on it. Uh, i got my good friend Sean Walker sitting alongside me. Uh, we were working on some other podcasts today, so I figured I'd drag him in because he watches BYU basketball about as close as anybody. And Sean, do you, you're a podcast guy, right? I am a podcast guy. Do you use your phone to listen to them? How do you usually consume it? A little bit of everything. On my phone, on my tablet, I've got a smart speaker. I won't say which one because I don't think they advertise with you guys. But but you've got all the different options. But it makes it simple. If you listen to that smart speaker even your smartphone, you can tell it, play whatever podcast you want, and it pulls it right up, right? True story, and it's entirely convenient. I recommend it. It does make it easy. All right. Well, that's not the real reason I brought you in. We can talk about podcast dynamics any other time. But I wanted to talk some BYU basketball with you. They're on the road tonight. And this is a good day to do it because we're recording this February 14th. It's for your February 14th show. Fortunately, I have nothing going on on February 14th (laughs) as a single man. So not a problem. 
I've told you, I've told people multiple times, Sean Walker, we are going to get him married one day. And that's, that's a running thing. The other, the other podcast that we do together, I've said that multiple times. We'll work on that. But Sean, it is a, it is Valentine's Day and there's a big time showdown going down at what I like to call, and I think a lot of people like to call it as a nickname, the Slim Jim. The Slim Jim. Jenny Craig Pavilion down there in San Diego, home of the San Diego Toreros. They host BYU tonight. And as I said right before the break there, I think this is a sneaky good matchup. No, definitely. I mean, it's a very sneaky matchup, a very good matchup. This is the last team that BYU hasn't played yet uh, through West Coast Conference play. The only team that they'll play twice that they haven't played yet. Uh, We're coming into the final five games of the regular season, so it's kind of weird to say that, but that's what you get with unbalanced scheduling, I guess. Um, And when you look at the series overall, the overall record, BYU leads at 12-5. and Um, and, and it's about that close since they joined the West Coast Conference in 2011. Um, and, and so you would think, oh, this is a series that, that BYU typically has in control. They don't really struggle with USD that much, you know, whatever it is, whether it's matchups or, or you know, maybe they just like playing the beautiful weather of, of God's country <laughs> that is San Diego. Um, shout out to my folks there in San Diego, one of the most beautiful parts of the country. Um, you know, maybe, but BYU doesn't struggle there, right? I mean, twelve and five all time, right? Um, the problem is, BYU is much more kind of in and out halfsies, if you will, in the Slim Jim. They're four and four. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so they do tend to struggle here on the road. They've won three of the last four against USD. That one loss was last year, seventy-five to sixty-two in the Slim Jim. And it, so, was, and it wasn't even that close, I felt like. Yeah, I mean, I mean, whatever it is, you know, this is a matchup that has traditionally been favorable more often mm-hmm. than not to the Cougars, but this place in particular, trying to win on the road, has been difficult for BYU, and it should be pretty difficult tonight as well. I mean, this is a San Diego team that I think has only lost once all year at home yep. in heartbreaking fashion. Yes. Um, but, but I mean, they, they, they average 73 points per game. They hold teams to 68 points per game. Um, you know, that 70-point number has been kind of critical to BYU um, as well. They've got really good wins. They've got a win over San Diego State, a win over Colorado, Grand Canyon, one of the best teams in the WAC down there. Uh, They beat San Francisco at home a couple weeks back. So, I I, I mean, this is is a team that, that they should pose several problems for this BYU team, but... Here it is. It's a very important game if BYU really wants to try to lock up that two seed for the West Coast Conference tournament. Yeah, no, exactly. And this San Diego team, they're five and five in conference play, but a lot of that can be steered towards two of the bigger injuries on this team. And I'm speaking of Olin Carter the third and Isaiah Wright. They've played in twenty games apiece this year, and the twenty games that they have played in, they've started. They're the second and third leading scorers on average for San Diego behind Isaiah Pinero, who's just a great player, period. He's averaging almost twenty points a game. This year, yeah, college basketball fans on the Wasatch Front remember Isaiah Pinero. Absolutely, yes, they do. But double double machine, San Diego. I, and I said this earlier in the week on this podcast, and I talked to Yoli Childs. We I interviewed him and played it on the podcast yesterday. He agrees with me that this is a different looking team when all three of their kind of their three go to guys. Speaking of Pinero, Carter the third, and then Isaiah Wright, Olin Carter the third, and Isaiah Wright. When those three guys are healthy, this is a very dangerous and a very capable San Diego team. And the way I kind of described it is San Diego right now sitting at five and five. 
they're looking to shoot up the rank, shoot up the rankings in the West Coast Conference here and get themselves as good of a seat as they can going into the West Coast Conference tournament. And they've also got to be confident once they get there, they can pick off a couple of wins. Yeah, and it's because of those three guys. It's a very similar team to BYU in a lot of ways. You know, yeah. you, you've got oh, yeah. Pinero, who's kind of the Yoli Childs of USD, yes. if you will. Obviously, different players. I'm not talking about style of play, that kind yeah. of thing. But, you know, near double-double average, that sort of thing. You've got guys like Olin Carter III, who's kind of the TJ Hodds, usually pretty good, especially when he's healthy, can certainly light it up there. Where BYU has struggled is finding that consistent third quarter, whether it's a guy coming off the bench or somebody in the starting lineup who can pour in double-digit points. They're starting to find that a little bit right now, whether it's with uh, with Gavin Baxter or Nick Emery's giving them some really good minutes. Mm-hmm. Um uh, Connor Harding certainly oh, yes. has has put himself a little inconsistently. I think he'd tell you, but he certainly put himself into that conversation. Um, and so, if you kind of look at that sort of dynamic, these are two teams that are very similar. That five and five split that USD has, it's it's almost right along those road home absolutely splits yep. right there. So this team is very good at home, uh, a little bit more struggling on the road, and especially if you go back to before conference play began. That sounds just like BYU. No, it's true. And you also did give credit to San Diego here because they've got a first year head coach and there was all the kind of kind. Yeah, he kind was of. the interim. Head he was coach the interim last, last year, year and they got Central. elevated. But there was so much dysfunction with the old coach moving. There's so many things that were going on in this program. It's almost been a masterstroke that they've kind of navigated all of this. They're sitting where they're sitting, and now they're looking mighty dangerous as we get closer to this conference tournament. BYU's got to face them twice here, once on the road coming up tonight, and then they have this as the regular season finale is against San Diego at home. Mm-hmm. So. BYU, they're in a pretty advantageous spot having that one-and-a-half game lead in second place right now. And a win tonight, let's say you pick up, let's say you beat San Diego twice, you split, you pull up these two games alone. BYU probably locks up that number two seed pretty quickly, and tonight would go a long way towards doing that. Yeah, I I would caution that game-and-a-half lead on San Francisco for the two seed. Um could drop pretty precariously because BYU does, they still have a road game at Gonzaga. Yes. uh, Which... We see what Gonzaga is doing in the West Coast Conference right now, um, and then they also still have a home game against USF. So there, yeah, so there is a chance that yeah. kind of that two seed could be decided there in Provo when USF comes to the Marriott Center. Mm-hmm. Um, but all that being said, if you want to be able to keep that lead and, and kind of hold on to that lead for number two in the league, which is everything right now in terms of trying to clinch that WCC auto bid. Um, I'd stop short of calling this weekend trip, and certainly this game at San Diego must win. I don't think it's quite must win, but it's pretty close. Yeah, it just it it would help you because BYU's only hope, and it's very slim at the very very minute. Like I'm talking like a infinitesimal uh, chance. Their opportunity, if they want to make the postseason, let's say that's the NCAA NIT, you need that number two seed, you need that double buy into the semifinals, you need to win that semifinal game, and you need to go out and perform against Gonzaga in a West Coast Conference final if it plays out that way. That's BYU's one chance at almost redeeming themselves, even though I'm not sure it would fully redeem this team, but you've got to get that second seed in my mind. So would you say that Vegas for BYU could be a one shining moment? Ooh. Sorry, I take it back. I don't want to get sued. Don't sue. Don't sue this podcast. No, I take it don't. back. Sorry. Please don't. Sorry. No, no. But That's copyrighted. But it is, it is something that they do. Tonight would go a long way to helping them really 
uh, give themselves a great chance at locking up that number two seed. Because like you said, it probably comes down to that home date that they have against USF, a head-to-head showdown to really determine who gets that number two seed. But winning this game tonight would go a long way. Um, big game. It's still yeah, a big game. Well, yeah, Very absolutely. Big game. It is a huge game. And that's, that, that's the thing that... I look at this game, you, you mentioned the fact that BYU is 4-4 four and four all time down there at Jenny Craig Pavilion. For whatever reason, San Diego plays extremely well at home, BYU. They've struggled with these guys down there, and they're going to have to make sure that they're at the top of their game. I, I've talked about all year, Sean, that BYU needs a consistent third option. We've seen it be a Connor Harding at times. You, you mentioned these guys. You, you ran through the list of them. Nick Emery's done it some games. Uh, if BYU can get a third guy, I don't care who it is, it sounds like Jasheer Hardnett might not play tonight. He's been dealing with that hand injury, so that uh, thins BYU's guard line, but they need a third guy to step up tonight. Cause I have, I, I, I trust that Yoli Childs and TJ Haas are going to show up. Who's the third guy tonight? Yeah, and that's always been the question about this BYU team, It's and they're they're finding it in spots. It would be nice to find somebody consistently that they can go to right now. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Sean, uh, thanks again for joining me. We'll take a final time out here. We'll come back. I actually am going to keep you on for this final segment of the podcast because you also pay attention very closely oh. to the Olympic sports. Sometimes. I to get a couple of thoughts from you on that as well. So we'll get to that stuff here in a moment on Locked on Cougars. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, especially during March. Your eyes are on the road, but the driver in front of you has both eyes on their bracket. Their sudden braking puts you in a 16-car pileup that's anything but sweet. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this is worse than a busted bracket. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability, savings vary. As we close out today's edition of the show, Sean Walker sitting in for another segment with me. I mentioned that he he pays close attention to the Olympic sports at BYU. He does a great job covering them. Go to KSL.com, read all of his great work there. Um, what's your or, or if you want to or if you want to bookmark it byu.ksl.com if you okay, don't want anything yeah. but BYU sports yeah. news. But you also get you guys also just started a new Twitter feed for your work and your kind of your department's work. Is it KSLcom sports? KSLcom sport. Yeah. yeah at so KSLcom sports. Okay. Uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We have got an Instagram page over there. Okay, In fact, you if you go know. if you go to KSLcom sports on Instagram right now, uh, you can find some Valentine's Day cards, oh. including uh, one featuring a uh, certain Yoli Childs oh, that BYU nice. fans might be interested in. Okay. Um, maybe I'll get your reaction to it off pod there. All right. Sounds good. I, I, right. I think it'd be a good... I'll just say, Jake, I, I've met your your lovely wife several times. I don't know if you've mentioned her much on the podcast. But I have. Lovely, lovely, lovely wife. Uh, she's got to be the Mrs. Hatch to put up with Jake. I think she would enjoy True. our Yoli Child's Valentine's Day card. Okay. All right. I'll, we'll check that out. Um, Sean, so two things I wanted to talk about with you here. Uh, there's two teams in action besides the men's basketball team tonight. The women's hoops team is on the road at Portland. Um, they got that top 25 ranking, Sean. They probably lost three straight games. They have bounced back, got, got a win uh, last week to kind of snap that losing streak. But after that stellar run that women's basketball had, is this season... 
I, I don't know how to describe it. They they had that run. They got the top twenty five ranking. Lost the three. It took some of the luster off what they had done. But I still think yeah, still knocked feel, them out of the top twenty five. Yeah, but sure. I still feel like they're a pretty good team. They just lost their way for a bit there. Yeah, and and this is I mean this is a young team. This is a team that realistically, um, and I was talking with uh, uh, assistant associate head coach Dan Nielsen about this actually after practice okay. just the other day. Um, and and we were saying, yeah, that three-game losing streak wasn't great. The girls were kind of down. They finally snapped it uh, last week, um, which was good. But if you look at their entire body of work, and he kind of brought this up to the team and, and mentioned it to me, uh, Dan did. He, he said, if you look at the entire body of work for the BYU women's basketball team to this point of the season, if you had told them at the start of the year um, – that this is where they would be record wise and and mm-hmm. you know one of the top two or three teams in the West Coast Conference and and that sort of thing they would have certainly taken it. Okay, I mean this is this team is so young they've only got two seniors that includes Caitlin Aldridge who joined from the uh, BYU softball team, mm-hmm. um, and, and so this team is so young that they really knew they were going to be building and and maybe even rebuilding at times and trying to build on something. Um, they really peaked. They, they probably peaked a lot sooner. Um, and I don't want to say peaked because that implies plateauing, maybe, yeah. which might be unnecessary. But, but they certainly, I, I mean, I I think they 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 got up to their top gear a little okay. sooner than even they might have expected. So okay. this is still a pretty good team. Charlie Kramer, Kramer, Kramer from uh, ESPN.com, the uh, women's basketball bracketologist over yeah. there, kind of the women's basketball Joe Lenardi, if yes. you will. Um, he still projects BYU as a bubble team. They're, they're, okay. uh, I believe they're in the first four out right now in his latest bracketology report. You can go fact check me if you want over on ESPNW. But this this is a team so this is a team that's not quite in the NCAA conversation anymore. Uh but they're close. They're really close. Um and you know, a win here or a good showing in the in the conference tournament there, that kind of thing. And they could certainly be in that conversation, uh especially depending on what goes on around the country. All right, so yeah, they're in action tonight. It's an 8 o'clock Mountain Time tip-off at Portland. Then they head to number 13, Gonzaga, on Saturday. They got that win at home over Gonzaga earlier on in the season. We'll, we'll preview that game a little bit more on tomorrow's podcast. And then, Sean, as we close things out here, I wanted to talk to you about men's volleyball. Kind of tumbled down the rankings here. They're number 8 in the country. They can't seemingly, Four straight losses. Yeah, they can't seemingly do anything right the last two weeks. But they're finally back at home. They're hosting Concordia Irvine tonight. What is going on with this team? I, I mean, they're young. They're really young. Is they it lost similar, a lot of. Okay, is it almost similar to what we just talked about with the volley with the women's basketball? A little bit. Okay. They lost. They, so they didn't necessarily lose. This team didn't necessarily lose a ton of players quantity wise from last year's team, but they lost some very critical and very key players. Okay. Guys like guys yeah. like Leo Durkin, their setter. Yes. Uh, Brendan Sanders was obviously a big deal. Uh, a couple of other of other outside hitters. Um, and at times, some of these young players, when sort of shifting roles, trying to become more consistent starters, stars, if you will, uh, the consistency hasn't always been there. Um, they So they've lost four straight. Three of those were sweeps, three sweeps in a row. And uh, I, I got this stat last week. So uh, hat tip to Darnell Dixon from the okay. Daily Herald, um, who you really need to have on the podcast because he's way better than I am. <laughs> uh, but uh, hat we'll tip to Darnell. Darnell and I were talking about this last week. Uh, the last time BYU men's volleyball had lost three straight matches via sweep, so okay. three in a row, yeah. 1993. Holy smokes. For you BYU sports historians, 
That is the second year of BYU men's volleyball as a varsity sport. I believe they promoted it to a varsity sport in 1992. My goodness. Uh, so the last, the last time they had lost, this obviously didn't come into play because they did take a set off of UCLA the next night. But the last time they had lost four in a row via a sweep was that expansion season in '92? Well, they yeah. So, so this is this is yeah. just this is a team that's just so new and so young, and and they lost. I mean, let's not forget they lost their two assistant coaches last year as well. They did, yeah. Um, and they promoted two guys who don't have a ton of experience in that mm-hmm. realm uh, to the same job. So they're learning, they're growing, um, and it. I mean. It might be a down year for BYU men's volleyball. I know it pains a lot of BYU fans to think of it because it's a hashtag volleyball school. Uh, but this, we'll see. We'll see how they start. We'll see if they can get back on track here in NPSF play now that they're finally back at home tonight against Concordia Irvine. It's their first home match in a month. Yep. Um, and they got a nice run of home form. I, I I think it's something like three of the next four weeks or something like that. Yeah, they have a um, good run here. Yep. So maybe they can get back on track, kind of build towards that MPSF tournament, try to get back into postseason play and postseason contention. But if it's a down year, just know it's been a while since this BYU men's volleyball team has been that down. So maybe, I don't know if that offers a little bit of consolation or solace to BYU fans out there. But. Oh, it does. And so, yeah, you can watch that tonight. If you want to get tickets to it, you can go to BYUcougars.com. It'll be televised on BYU TV. That means our mutual good friend, Sean and I's good friend, Jerem Jordan, will be on the call tonight on BYU TV. Shout out to Jerem. He does a great job covering it. So there you go. We'll see how they do against Concordia. They've also got number 14 USC at home on Saturday. So we'll see what happens tonight, and then we'll look ahead to USC tomorrow. All right, we're going to wrap up the podcast now. Sean, thanks for sticking around for a minute, talking some BYU sports with me. Always enjoy having you on the show. And we, should we, will should have we on- can we can we give a plug right, for the real reason we're here? Okay, go go over to iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, whatever. Mm-hmm. Any Salt Lake Stallions fans of the Alliance of American? I talked Football? about it earlier this week. Yeah, yeah. Just just go go do a search for Wild Stallions podcast. Yep. Stallions with a Y. Yep, you'll um, find it. Yeah, we're on every major platform now. So. So yeah, Go check, give us a like. Check that out. All right, we're going to wrap it up here. Thanks again for joining me on this Thursday edition of the show. We'll be back tomorrow previewing a full weekend ahead and, of course, recapping what happens tonight in BYU sports. As we always do, we'll have it all covered for you right here on Locked on Cougars. This has been the Locked on Cougars podcast for February 14th, 